Hi, my name is Ariane. I'm a traveler and I run a travel blog. Join me each week as I discover life, love, and the world. This is my Wonderlust Journey podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Wonderlust Journey podcast. I am here with David today, and we are going to dive into another episode on travel safety tips and tricks. So if you haven't listened to our episode on episode two, that's where you'll get to know a little bit more about David and who he is. So welcome, David. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back here. Yay! I'm so excited to have you. Okay, so let's dive in. So David, when you travel, what are some of the things that you look for when it comes to travel safety tips and tricks? It probably would depend on the type of holiday that I'm taking, truthfully. I, as we kind of mentioned in our previous episode together on episode two, I definitely am someone that likes to be quite planned and I like to do my research. So probably the the beginning planning stages also do kind of indicate and they're sort of indicative of, you know, what I'm going to anticipate on the holiday, on the type of trip that I'm doing. So I think that kind of falls into planning initially in those early stages, uh, I suppose, of what you're actually going to expect. And once you sort of have those maybe um, highlights of what you can potentially expect, that you can sort of be prepared to what's going to happen once you're in destination. For sure, yeah. And... So a little bit further, let's kind of dive deeper on that. Mm. So let's talk about your last trip to Brazil, because I know you and I both kind of chatted a lot about that in episode two. Mm -hmm. So with Brazil, what are some of the things that you started to research in the way of tips and tricks when it comes to, you know, safety, things that possibly could go wrong, things that... Because mm-hmm. Brazil, it is one of those places where... There's a travel warning. <laughs> there is a travel warning there. Yes. Yeah. So what helped you feel more safe traveling to Brazil? Big question, because that was not like an overnight sort of realization or kind of comfort that I came to. It definitely was something that grew both with more research, frankly, a lot of um, comfort talk to myself. But uh, indeed, definitely when I first started understanding and, you know, really starting to plan that I was going to Brazil... Uh, again, people like us, we all love to enjoy talking about travel. You initially start telling friends, maybe work colleagues, and everybody has a story. And of course, there's always going to be that one friend of a friend that went to the destination you're going to, and maybe they had a horror story, or maybe they had a great time. But the point is, you initially, from kind of your uh, your outside world, I suppose, you start getting different you know, pieces of feedback, which, uh, yes, you absolutely can or cannot take on board. Someone for me, like me, that, again, I appreciate talking about travel and kind of hearing all different experiences. That is something that um, I did hear a couple of horror stories uh, from a couple of colleagues, for example, actually more than a couple of colleagues, uh, but people that essentially did have either themselves some kind of shady experiences, let's say more so in the soul of South America, even besides Brazil specific, but some even within Brazil specifically. So that I think besides my, my personal I suppose, nervousness of going to a new country, a new continent, that probably started the initial anxieties, I guess, towards, you know, what does safety mean? 
on holiday in Brazil. And that's something that I suppose, I I mean, I did sort of manage to conquer, thankfully, uh, by the end of it. But when you are speaking with people that have been, or if they've heard of these different experiences, I know we've been on holidays, for example, where you can have one very specific experience, same city, same duration of time, same month, same exact dates, but depending on, you know, what choices you make or what kind of um, research you've done, I mean, things can go, you know, good or bad. So, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, I was I was nervous, for sure, more so of the unknown aspect and not knowing perhaps how, you know, I would feel while I was in the country, but... I definitely feel like, you know, some of the research I did, but also taking on the stories that people had maybe forewarned me of, but also realizing, again, as we all know as travelers, your experience will be different from my experience. So For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I think I know. So let's kind of dive into that one experience. That was an experience that we had in Puerto Vallarta. Mm -hmm. And which we both love, which love Puerto Vallarta yes. so pretty. Uh, we were staying at an absolutely beautiful resort, Hyatt Ziva Puerto Vallarta. Highly recommend love. <laughs> and somebody that we was part of our group made some not so good decisions while traveling. Mm-hmm. We actually had no idea that this had even transpired. Right. We were on the resort. We were having a great time. We had even gone into Puerto Vallarta, I think, that morning or the morning afterwards. And it really does boil down to the choices that you do make when you're on vacation. Like you had said earlier, I think, you know, we made decisions to stay on property and not go clubbing. Unfortunately, during that time, that evening... Some individuals went off property Mm -hmm. and went clubbing. It was a very unfortunate incident where drugs were involved. Somebody ended up getting raped. And it was just not a good situation. I mean, it's not a good situation to deal with in your home country, let alone to deal in a place that, you know, you may not speak language. And it's just something that obviously is such a traumatic thing to happen for anybody. So again, to kind of, you know, echo what you're saying, same destination, same trip, um, same mutual people that we were traveling with in the same group. And yet, because of different decisions, you know, different things can have obviously a very different outcome. And again, we're not, you know, obviously wanting to shame anybody or people's decisions. But at the same time, you have to be prepared for anything. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, enjoying yourself is absolutely a priority when you're on holiday. I think we'll be the first to say that, but you also definitely want to still have, you know, an air of precaution about you and planning to kind of keep your head on because of course there's people that like to go out and experience, you know, great club scenes or mm-hmm. bar scenes or the nightlife, which absolutely, I mean, you do you. However, there is a partial kind of responsibility that, I mean, has to fall back on you to kind of think, well, you know, where am I? Who am I surrounded by? Am I under the influence of anything potentially? Is there anybody in my group that, frankly, isn't having, isn't under the influence of anything? So are we all in the same boat? Or is two of the people, you know, worse off than I am? So maybe I should be a bit more cautious. So it's really one of those things about not only checking in with the people that you're with, but just kind of having that own mentality of, yes, I am on a great holiday. Yes, I'm seeing these beautiful, exciting things. But you also have to have sort of 
that know-how and sort of um, agreements almost between the people you travel with and yourself, because you have to be cautious in these kind of environments. For sure, yeah. And I totally agree with that. Like, I think that it is having that agreement, I think, when you do go out, if you are planning on going out and partying uh, to clubs or even if you're just going out for a drink, I think you should have that one person where okay, so if you don't mind being the person to kind of take care of everybody else in a sense, you know, it's funny because one of the one of the trips I was on recently back in May, it was hilarious to see people had actually written their hotel numbers in pen on their arm. <laughs> That's inventive. Wow. But they Smart. needed it. They needed it. And thankfully, yeah. other people were looking out for these people. But mm. still, you need to make sure that there's at least one or two people in your group to kind of say, hey, guys, you know, things are starting to go a little bit south. Or, you know what, it is time to start leaving. Because here's the thing. There are these travel scams in quotation marks, I want to add, in Europe, especially, where they are targeting women for trafficking. Right. And it happens lots of different countries. Too often. uh, Too often. And unfortunately, you want to make sure that you're drinking your drink smart. Mm -hmm. Because if you're downing your drinks, people are watching, right? So... I think that if you're going to down your drink, they know you're going to down your drink, you have a higher chance of getting drugged, unfortunately. Completely. And something that I like that you said, which I have also heard compared to it, is when you're in a new destination, and obviously safety should be um, a concern in these type of environments in the nightlife scene, or just in general when you're traveling. But it's a comparison I've heard where you're kind of comparing the, the travel experience to when you're driving a vehicle. Because when you are driving a vehicle, obviously, you're aware of your surroundings, you're aware of, you know, what's behind you, what's in front of you, what's, you know, a hazard coming up in the distance, that kind of mindset. And also with that same comparison, like you mentioned, the same concept as like a designated driver that we all take so seriously uh, nowadays, where we thankfully take drink driving very seriously. So you always have that one person that, you know, kind of watches out for the group. Why do we not have that if we're potentially taking public transport? Or why do we not have that, you know, if you're going to the club or to a bar, just a really great restaurant where you plan to have a lot of drinks, like you're saying. So it's something where even when you are on holiday, yes, the thing that we all want to experience is fun, enjoyment, the silly things, you know, the things with whether it be with friends, family, colleagues, what have you. But it's about having that same kind of mindset of, okay, what would I potentially maybe do at home that I'm not doing here? Because yes, I think when you're traveling, everyone kind of has a bit of that Superman syndrome where you're like, oh, nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen to me. Yeah, sure. I'm on holiday. Everybody yep. knows I'm on holiday. <laughs> so true. I think once you kind of get your head around that, And also just kind of factor in that little bit of responsibility or detail, you know, that can really make a trip better or worse. And, you know, yes, there's unfortunate things that no one can control. And, you know, we don't wish any badness upon anybody. But these are kind of things that I feel you can at least contribute to avoiding as best as possible, especially once you're even there. And it just, yeah, it was not a great situation. For sure. And here's the thing, like, we're not trying to scare people out of experiencing things. It's about being a 
knowledgeable traveler and about having the tools in your toolbox to say, okay, so I've heard about this situation before. I know that I can deal with it in this way. Right, exactly. So I think that, you know, hearing about these types of unfortunate examples, it's a learning curve that you don't have to go through yourself. But that's the great thing because having that little preparation or expectation or knowledge prior to the trip, it does empower you because what you're actually doing, you're not, you know, being a negative Nancy or you're not sort of, you know, uh, attracting these situations. What you're actually doing is giving yourself that knowledge to frankly avoid them and Mm -hmm. to almost guarantee that, you know, what your travel stories when you return are going to be great travel stories. It's also a case of empowerment, I think. For sure. For sure. Totally. Okay, so let's kind of talk about what you saw and experienced personally in Brazil. Yeah. So let's talk about your taxi ride. I know you were actually laughing mm-hmm. at me when you told me the story. Yes. It's always <laughs> funny after the fact. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure it was pretty terrifying during. It was. And again, I I think I'm, I'm quite well-traveled. Again, it was a new continent for me and a new country. But I was, me and my friends I was traveling with, we uh, just arrived in the state of Bahia. We went to Salvador, which is a beautiful colonial-inspired uh, kind of Portuguese old Portuguese kind of uh, town, uh, right on the sea, of course. And on our way in, we had a taxi driver that was taking us from the airport directly to our hotel. We at least had that part planned out quite well. And as a hotel, um, hotel car. So with that in mind, on the way in, we were sort of getting, you know, some local information from the from the driver. And he was very friendly, very chatty. Which I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's a great idea to kind of get local tips and tricks from yeah. your Uber taxi driver. Completely. It's, it's I, I'm so glad to hear that you did that. Well, especially when you just arrive. I mean, mm-hmm. you're a bit disoriented, potentially everything's new. You don't have your home base yet. So yeah, we were actually quite thrilled to get kind of this, oh, this free tour was part of our chauffeur service. Not chauffeur. But um, once we essentially got in the car, though i mean he we we initially started talking just about you know the city um there kind of was uh the airports towards the suburbs you're going through a lot of residential areas and areas that frankly to me could have been you know compared to you know looking like parts of the u.s so i was initially a bit surprised thinking like oh i didn't expect this you know in northeast brazil and we just kind of talked about you know the area itself and then once we started to get closer to town uh, of course it did trigger um the good thing i like to call travel anxiety where i thought hey maybe i should ask some tips since you know this is a new area for us it's a new country well it's still the same country at that point but um it was some place that we i frankly have heard um, again, bad reputation stories of. So I just point blank asked him. So I said, hey, with regards to safety, what can we expect? Do you have any recommendations? Do you have any things we should be aware of? And the part that I thought was funny, which I um, told to you and I came back, was kind of the closer we got, the more and more kind of warnings he gave us. And it, they were very, <laughs> kind of, they were just sprinkled in, which I actually kind of appreciate now in hindsight. Yeah, if it was yeah, all at once, yeah. I might've been like, let's go back to the airport <laughs> because, <laughs> but no, he kind of slowly sprinkled them in. You know, he'd say, oh, you know, um, I wouldn't compare. He started off by mentioning that, you know, he, it's no different than any other big city. And I was like, well, I'm not usually that fearful in a big city. So I, I think I'll be all right. But he's like, oh, but then, you know, avoid this street. And, oh, you see that road over there? Don't take that road. And... 
you know, don't take this back road. And then we got closer to the hotel and he's like, oh, the street behind your hotel? Wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> and, uh, oh, actually the, the, the street to the side of the hotel probably wouldn't recommend that one either, especially at night. So I'm like, well, we only have the entrance of the hotel. So I didn't really know what to expect and sort of what to, um, you know, what, what could happen? Because frankly, at that point, that made me more nervous. So a- again, yes, he was just frankly looking out for us, which I, I do appreciate to an extent. However, sure. it <laughs> made me a bit weary. And I, I think myself and my friend, who I think is probably a bit more tough than I am, definitely uh, we were a bit nervous at that point. So it did influence sort of the fear factor, I suppose, uh, leading into this kind of moment and area that didn't feel as comfortable as some other places have been um, on my travel journeys. But thankfully, in hindsight, in that city, we had only a really good time. So it just shows that, you know, again, those warnings have to be there. Mm -hmm. That expectation and those tips need to be there. But again, your experience could be totally left of center of those horrible things that you hear could and do happen. But having a bit more insight, having a few insider tips, whether it be from the driver, whether it be from the hotel desk or whomever, I mean, they can kind of steer you at least to the best direction. For sure. But here's the thing. If you probably didn't have that tip or trick, you might have not have avoided that street Completely. at night. And you might have had a totally different experience where you didn't have a good experience. So I do think that having these tips and tricks and having the knowledge does, as we kind of already mentioned, it does empower you. Because then you can make your own calculated decision as to what you think that you can handle. Absolutely. And the thing is, I mean, I know we've all been to different places in the world where, you know, you all, we all know what a bad dodgy street looks like. So you kind of avoid that. But Mm -hmm. in this situation, for example, to me, someone that isn't familiar, someone that isn't from the country, I, I thought like, for example, the street behind the hotel that he was kind of warning us of, it looked like a cute street to me. It had cute little decorations. It looked, I wanted to take photos. Like, I mean, we, well, we both love taking photos, but for me, I mean, I want to get all every cute little street, you know, what filter is that going to go with? So, I mean, just kind of aware of that, but then to have that kind of, you know, forewarning, which, you know, yes, thankful, yes, empowering, but it just makes you realize it's not always that dodgy street or that weird shop on the corner. It can be frankly anywhere potentially. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so let's talk about one other situation that came up for you in Brazil. That was when you witnessed a mugging. Bum, bum, bum. Bum. Yes. Uh, So this was probably something that, speaking for myself, weirdly, even though there was lots of, you know, um, lots of travel warnings, the idea of a mugging to me uh, really bothered me, actually. And it was something that I for whatever reason, was not only expecting to happen to me, but something that I knew I would be incredibly terrified of. So uh, first point, I'm happy to report, nothing happened to me, Um, just to be selfish for a moment. But no, when again, when my friend and I, we were walking, frankly, in a very busy area, we were just right along uh, Copacabana Beach, right on the south side of it from Ipanema. We were walking just middle of the day, obviously, sunshine was out, daylight, what have you, Uh, a lot of people on the streets. And we were just kind of coming onto the beach from the side, uh, from the side street. And uh, there was this lady behind us who had her bag ripped from her. 
And at that same moment, she was thrown to the floor, kind of off the curb where we were walking onto the road. I mean, thankfully, no cars were around at that point, but she was kind of forcefully thrown down. Now, <laughs> in a flight or fight response, I don't remember anything that happened. So apparently I'm just useless. So all I know is in that <laughs> moment, it all went blur. But uh, no, I mean, it, it. the one thing I think in those moments that maybe people like me that were a bit you know, nervous or, you know, worried about this type of thing happen that I never really realized is it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen on in that dark alley where it's just you. For sure. And that, in a way, even throughout this horrible thing, which I'll give more detail of in a moment, I never realized there's people around, which frankly... Mm -hmm. Thank goodness, because, you know, we have to rely on our fellow man at the end of the day, especially in these awkward moments and uncomfortable, scary moments. And funnily enough or not, the lady that was attacked, I suppose, uh, was actually a local. So she wasn't even a tourist. And she, uh, the actual person that had attempted to take her items was, goodness, he must have been 11, 12, 13-year-old boy. So definitely let's say, not the profile you'd be expecting from someone to do so mm-hmm. um, on both ends, really. So it was something that took us off guard. And again, with regards to the specific situation, we were at that point, almost coincidentally, we were, good gosh, like a three, five, ten steps away from the Copacabana Fort, which is actually a military fort. And uh, there's, of course, uh, the guards out there with guns and everything. So Frankly, we just kind of stepped over to them and we felt quite safe because, I mean, at that point, my friend or I, we've never seen that, even though we're both quite well-traveled. And But we had that safety, which kind of helped in that moment. Mm-hmm. We just kind of became witnesses, I guess. But sure. thankfully, and sadly, I think this happens a lot in that city, in Rio de Janeiro, but also in Brazil. So uh, you kind of saw the people of the city react. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully, this woman's bag, you know, was apprehended, and the boy was sort of chased. And the man that um, was with this lady that was pushed over was, this. Is, I wish I spoke Portuguese to really get the whole impression, but it almost, you could, you could feel as if he was scolding like his son or something. It felt very like uh, paternal, and kind of like, how dare you? Like, this is blah, blah, blah. Just, it seemed, it gave me that impression that, it was like life choices, little boy, <laughs> life choices. Yeah, and so, sure. uh, but that was all part of it. But the, all the people on the street kind of came near, tried to check on the lady, tried to stop the boy. So it was one of those moments where thankfully you kind of think, if this does happen to me, people aren't just going to like ignore you. No. And they're not going to ignore maybe uh, the person that's created this. So you aren't on your own in these situations. And I think even as a traveler, that's something I almost wish I kind of thought about even going down there beforehand because I think when we all have these horror stories we're like oh I'm gonna be in a dark alley by myself or Mm -hmm. you don't think of your surroundings really at that point and I think to see this happen in a very busy part of town daylight lots of people around that frankly were more than happy to help was I think a great thing to show that not only you know you're not alone but also it showed the fact that these people at least in Rio de Janeiro have each other's backs, even though there are, you know, obviously uh, different issues with different levels of persons, I guess, in, in the city. Yeah, for sure. And I think it also kind of gives you that case of, you know, and faith in humanity. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people, and I think I've said this in previous podcasts, where most people around the world, they want just one thing. They mm-hmm. want peace, happiness, health. They don't necessarily want to cause other people harm. That's for most people. There are those unfortunate few that they are less privileged, they are less, 
they're not in a great situation. And yes, they do try to take advantage of tourists. Mm-hmm. So in that case, in I mean, muggings, unfortunately, do happen. Mm-hmm. The most popular one, of course, is pickpockets. Right. So let's kind of talk about Rome, Barcelona, some other European countries, Paris. Sometimes as tourists, you can be targeted for mm-hmm. pickpocketing. Yeah. So what are some ways that you think people can avoid being pickpocketed? Lot of, frankly, there's so many things you can do. I mean, I know just out of our conversations in the past, I mean, I've learned a lot from you in that respect that, frankly, I wouldn't necessarily immediately think of doing. And I have done a lot in European countries. And just to backtrack for one quick second, in um, Rio de Janeiro, I was recommended to be given kind of a dummy wallet that I could give, mm. you know, in the case that I was mugged. And that's something I did do. And frankly, I felt a little empowered with that and knowing I had that to fall back on. And I know in Europe, one thing that's very popular uh, with a lot of tourists, no matter the country or the city, is these money belts. I mean, it's something yes. that a lot of people tend to do. Are they needed? Are they not? Again, that's up to your own interpretation. However, people like them. They do, frankly, make you, I suppose, less of an obvious target if you were going to be in a situation where that something could happen. And yeah, I mean, again, these big cities, these, unfortunately, uh, the more kind of famous the uh, the attraction or maybe the road or even the city i suppose you are going to encounter more of these possibilities and again i feel like for me initially when i first started traveling money belt was something i definitely did to kind of make me feel okay even if something's taken off of me i have my card here i've got my maybe my my hotel key i've got my id so you kind of i i felt good knowing that even if i may have a day bag which has my water camera even potentially okay, but, you know, the stuff I need to kind of live and manage this situation, Mm -hmm. you know, aren't accessible, at least to the person just walking by. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I think, too, it's more so than even the dummy wallet, but it's also having little tips and tricks like I keep my bag safety pinned. So smart. So I safety pin the zipper to there's always sometimes that little loop where the strap to your bag attaches. So sometimes I'll actually safety pin if I can. And I'm not doing it on all my bags because some of them, you know, just can't do it too. She's got expensive <laughs> taste. <laughs> but, you know, you can normally loop your zipper, and zippers together even, because you just want it to be hard for people to try to rip you off. Right? Like it's you, the shock, I think, more initially if they hit you. So if yeah, you have that couple of seconds more. Exactly. Because you're don't have an open bag yeah Yeah. you have more reaction time exactly yeah and the other thing is if you do ever see that warning sign careful pickpockets don't go and you know pat for your wallet to say you've just given them the signal oh that's where their wallet is it's still there (laughs) or don't take out a wad of cash on the streets like just little things like that that frankly you may not blink an eye at when you're at home potentially but Again, you want to avoid these things happening, so be just extra cautious. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. Uh, And use your safe in your hotel room. Oh, yeah. My passport does not come out of the safe. I travel with a photocopy of my passport, my photo page, Mm -hmm. and it's also, of course, on my phone. Yeah. I don't take it out of the safe. If there's a problem, 
you can come with me mm-hmm. and I will show you my passport in the safe. Yes. But I don't. I don't even use a money belt personally Mm -hmm. if I'm out and about. When I'm traveling from destination to destination, yes, I'll use a money belt. And it has our RFID protection as well. Mm -hmm. So I use that when I'm actually transiting somewhere else. Mm. But day to day, I, you know, I keep one credit card on me, one piece of photo ID, Usually my driver's license, it's totally useless to somebody in a different country. <laughs> Completely. And then I'll keep a small amount of cash. Because again, most places they'll accept credit cards. Like right. when you're out for a restaurant, that kind of thing. I usually keep maybe 40 euro on me mm-hmm. if I'm in Europe. Right. Not more than that. So again, you're just kind of making sure that if you were to lose something you're not going to lose a thousand euro. Yeah. And it's just that little bit of preparedness to sort of not only impact each day more positively or avoid these big scares potentially, but just kind of that planning stage really does dictate what your Mm. experience is. And like you kind of touched upon, I mean, the fact you have a, a printed copy of your passport, you've got the, of course, the actual passport, then you have an emailed or a digital version on your phone. You want to have these things. And a lot of people nowadays, which I even think is a great idea, and I've actually done for a while now, is send a good friend or send a family member, maybe your itinerary, so they know maybe yes. the hotels, or at minimum, maybe the cities and what days you're there. So these kind of things are things that, frankly, should anything horrific happen, be a huge relief to your family, to your friends, you know, or just a case of locating you. It it is very important. So just taking that extra minute to kind of either do that part of it, obviously, before you travel, but then to have this setup for when you kind of do your daily activities that, yeah, like you said, I've got this passport here, but I don't have the weird, the, sorry, the uh, worry or fear of actually having my proper passport stolen because that's such a terrifying event to kind of be faced with, especially depending if what if you leave the next day. So a lot of things that, you know, that that can be a worry for. So yeah, it's just that preparedness, I think, that really can make or break it for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. And I totally agree with that. And I think that's what we really kind of chatted about in our second episode is a lot of the travel anxieties and how to kind of get rid of that. And Mm -hmm. a lot of it is down to planning, I think. Yay. Yeah, for sure. So talking about planning a little bit more. I typically am a bit OCD on mapping out where I am. (laughs) I like to know the areas of cross streets and I don't typically do it while I'm in destination, but definitely beforehand, I definitely stock Google Maps and Street View. Oh, Google Maps and Street View. Where would we be without it now? No. You can do a walking tour of the neighborhood before you even get there. People might think that you're like, wasting it or you're not giving it the surprise it deserves in person i'm sorry it gives me that much more like power and expectation of where to look once i'm there for sure totally Totally. and the thing is is i travel by myself a lot Mm -hmm. as you know and it just gives me that much more as you say almost power because you're like okay so i know that is on that corner the wine shops over there mm-hmm. as we're drinking wine people yes <laughs> we found the wine shop we found the wine shop <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything wine has a great black friday sale just saying <laughs> <laughs> italian blend all the way but it's true yeah. like i love to stock google maps before i travel and sometimes if you do need to look at a map 
don't stop in the middle of walking traffic and open your Google Maps because you've just made yourself a target. Completely. I mean, you the one thing that you really sort of want to own, if you will, when you're in destination is fake it if you're not feeling confident. Yes. You want to look like you know where you're going. You want to not have that air of being a tourist, you know, um, as best as you can. And yeah, like you always say, like, what, put your back against a wall. Don't be yeah. susceptible and vulnerable in a place that, you know, you can't really see your surroundings while you're focusing on that. Exactly. And that's actually something that I do. I physically actually put my back up against a wall mm-hmm. or a building, uh, no glass, of course, but I do so that if I do need to open up my maps or even just some of the aerial photos that I've screenshot to make sure that, yeah, I'm going in the right direction. Don't need to worry. Or just a message even maybe. Yeah. Or even to message. Yeah. Yeah. It's just no one's peering over your shoulder. So you just look like a local that's maybe just taken a, a quick break. Because here's the thing. When you open up that big map that you got off your hop on hop off tour. Yep. You, again, it's even if someone's, you know, kind of following you and you're looking on a map, again, I've already said it, you're just making yourself a bit more of a target. So definitely if you do need to re-look at your directions, I think having that quick stop and if you do need to physically open up a map, I hate to say it, but there's usually a Starbucks now on every single corner. (laughs) It's a safe haven. (laughs) But pop in somewhere. Any cafe. Any cafe or even a, you know, department store, something like that, and use a public washroom and open your map there. Mm -hmm. Because that way, you know, if you think someone could be following you or something like that, again, you can even drop to the ground to make it look like you're fixing a shoelace. There's so many things you can do if you're worried that someone is following you, not necessarily even just looking for directions but if you're really really worried about your surroundings there's ways to kind of make sure that you can see your surroundings completely and again these are the kind of things where just to point out like you're saying you're not going to do this sun up to sundown on your trip these are those moments when you know maybe you're feeling a bit uneasy with an area maybe it's getting a bit dark and you're not really sure where things are Mm -hmm. it's just you know using these little tips to sort of help again to use that word again to empower you in that moment to really sort of have the best outcome possible yeah for sure and I've used even when I've walked back to my hotel and it started to get dark glass in on like the reflections off the glass so for instance I've heard you know those footsteps coming up really really quick and thankfully it's just runners power to them (laughs) (laughs) i don't know who these people are but anyway (laughs) but you know like you can use certain things to be like hey i hear something behind me that's coming up quickly and to even kind of go a little bit further on that i personally don't use earbuds Mm. i mean i use like full headphones when i'm on a plane but i'm not expecting someone to attack me necessarily on a plane so you know knock on wood (laughs) (laughs) but that's the thing like if you are planning on using earbuds maybe just have one in so that you can always kind of keep your surroundings an ear out and there's a time and a place i mean you're not going to use 
both earbuds, for example, you know, on that dodgy street at night when you're not really sure where you're at, even if you're really enjoying that new song. But... Well, I mean, come on. Andrea Bucelli, as you're kind of walking down oh, no. in Rome. I get that. Oh. But... <laughs> But look around still, people. This is important. Or just put the one in. For sure. You don't need surround sound. It's totally true. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about some of the European, because here's the thing. What I've noticed is that what you will come across in Europe, you will come across pretty well globally. Mm -hmm. So some of the big scams in Europe. Let's have a... Let's have a chat about that. So some of the ones I came across, which I literally used Google Translate to kind of help out in this situation. I was waiting for the hop on, hop off. Yes, I love a good ho-ho, just saying. Ho-ho. <laughs> They're a great way to get around. I don't like public transport. <laughs> we could have an episode alone on hop on, hop off buses. Though. They're great. I'm, yeah, we're both big fans of them, for okay, sure. Okay, so we're, we're going to get sidetracked here. But yeah. hop on, hop offs, the reason I love them so much, they're great to kind of give you that overall introduction to a city. You get orientated as much as Google, you want to Google Earth things. I find that until you've actually experienced, okay, so this block is actually kind of a long block. Completely. <laughs> and the great thing is a lot of these companies now, we're really getting off sidetrack here, but a lot of these companies will give you like maybe two, three day passes even. So it can even act as your transport while you're on holiday if you yes. want. And you get to go on an upper deck potentially, better for your photos. You maybe get a couple of walking tours included, all these different kind of river great cruises. river cruises, all these great different possibilities. So yes, we love a ho-ho. We love ho-hos. We Anyways. Love <laughs> Sidetracked. Yeah. As I was waiting in line for the Paris Hoho, this young girl came up and I knew immediately what she was after and what they were after. So I obviously was saying no, no, and waving. <laughs> waving no. No. <laughs> And they were trying to put this petition into my face. So they realized they weren't getting anywhere with me. The people right behind me in the line were Spanish. And again, they were then starting to bug them. And I could tell that there was somebody else circling because hmm. it was just myself and these other two, this couple. Because we were early enough. We were quite early for waiting for the first bus. I then opened up Google Translate, typed vigorously English to Spanish. Oh, well done. No, they're actually trying to scam you and rip you off and steal from your bags. Wow. So then I showed it to them in Spanish because I realized they were speaking Spanish. Mm -hmm. And then they read it and they were like, oh, and then they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's fantastic. But, you know... Love Google Translate. I've kind of mentioned this in my last episode, was mm. in my solo travel episode. It's something that you should have quite a few languages downloaded. If you're in certain countries, if you're going to Europe, have Spanish, French, German, you know, anything that's similar around there, because you might come across other people who are traveling there themselves. Mm -hmm. But that was one scam that I came across. Wow. The second one that I was warned about didn't happen to me, but 
was if you're sitting uh, in Paris, you know how they've got all these beautiful bistros everywhere. You have a nice melted chocolate. Have the <sighs> melted chocolate people in Paris. Yes. Be the best. But I was just dreaming about Paris now. Sorry. And a croissant. Uh, oh. Like my father used to say, growing up, you're having a cafe au lait on the Champs Elysees. That's all I have to say. So good. But that's the thing. Like, experiencing Paris, you want to have that time where you go to a cafe and just people watch. Yes. It's not creepy. It's delightful. And normal for them. (laughs) And normal. Yeah. Very, very normal. Mm -hmm. Way of life. But the big scam is somebody will come up to you, open up a big map, put it over the table and ask you for directions. If you have your phone, wallet, sunglasses, anything of value sitting on that table, it is gone. It has sprouted legs and walked off. Talent. (laughs) That is a talented phone. (laughs) Wow. But it's true. That's crazy, though. These types of things, unfortunately, happen. So it's Hmm. about having... But I think you said you had an experience in a train station with your friend kind of similar to that. Sort of. And I mean, even leading into that, it's not always initially the person you're dealing with, because that's usually the person to try and to keep your attention while something Mm -hmm. else is going on. So you kind of think, oh, this person's going to come up to me and take something. Probably they're taking it while you're talking to that person, but another person entirely. So yeah, it's definitely kind of um, like a system that they definitely um, use there, especially. But yeah, this incident you're talking about, it was... uh, goodness, a long time ago, in Rome. And I was at the uh, Termini station and a friend and I, we were very young. It was our first trip. We were eating at some, I don't know, place you eat when you're young in a food court at a train station and probably McDonald's. And um, we were both sitting at these tables. Again, I'm I'm happy to say I was smart enough listeners, but my friend, not necessarily. And she had her bag, our day bags. Um, I had my bag with me um, on my lap. She had her day bag, but she put it underneath the seat. It was at that point when we were eating, chit-chatting. We weren't there, honestly, for that very long. It was essentially taken, and it was taken without us even noticing. So these people are not only good, they're sleuths, (laughs) and they're sneaky. And again, yes, in hindsight, and she very much more so, even at at the young age that we were, was like, why did I put it underneath my seat? But these are things that when you're maybe in your home city, home country, you don't even blink about doing. But when you're in a place, especially like a train station, airport, maybe busy shopping center, or even just on a busy road, even um, it happens so easily, and it can really disrupt a whole holiday. So yes, mm-hmm. and can we just talk about day bags for a quick moment? Oh yes, a day bag. There's an art to the day bag. <sighs> there's an art to the day bag, but mm-hmm. there's also a specific way you should not wear a day bag. Mm-hmm. Tell them, girl. <laughs> if you want to wear your day bag on your front, Ugh. you look like you just want to be taken from. Oh, they should just go home at that point. You know, don't even get on the plane. It's a, And it doesn't look good. I'm sorry. But it it just makes you a total target. Like, okay, take from him. Because apparently he thinks he has enough in his day bag where he thinks he needs to have it up front. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Preach. Yes. Yes. So... If you do have a day bag, where if you do have, because I'm the same way, I do have a backpack that I use Mm -hmm. for the day, other than some of my other purses that I have. But if I'm specifically going somewhere where I have brought a couple lenses, 
to take some photos in the morning or so on. I still wear it on my back, but it's locked. Mm-hmm. Get a lock, get a safety pin. You should be able to tell if somebody is fidgeting with your bag at that point. For sure. Don't wear it on your front. Well, and even on top of that, actually, you pointed this out to me uh, prior to my Brazilian holiday. Again, I was very much looking into safety things uh, prior to going. And I just, I usually, I have kind of my own kind of day bag that I wear, frankly, on just going to work, for example. But mm-hmm. the one I had, it didn't have any zips or anything. It kind of had one of those large open areas and just kind of the flap that doesn't even close really. Yes. So, which again, on day to day, I was happy with. But you were like, well why don't you get one with zippers or why don't you get one with like multiple buttons or maybe hidden areas? And frankly, that should just be a regular purchase, especially for anyone that travels quite often. So that alone kind of helps could not only help you strategize your bag, how you're going to kind of use it, but also again, a lot more difficult for anybody potentially trying to get something from it. But so. I think you touched on it. It's about strategizing how to use your day bag appropriately. Mm-hmm. I use a Kate Spade more so as my day bag. It is a crossbody. It does have a hidden zip, which does look just like a decoration detail, but it does actually open and it goes all the way down to the back, Hmm. which is quite nice. So it doesn't actually look like it's part of the purse. Mm -hmm. That's where my wallet actually is Hmm. because you literally have to undo the flap, unzip the flap, and then put your hand all the way down into the bag mm. for it to to get my wallet out. Going into an area where I'm kind of like, uh, mm. I'll stick my phone in there as well. It just sounds complicated. It sounds complicated. But the thing is, Ugh. you're not going to get ripped off if it's complicated. Worth it. So it's totally worth it. Mm-hmm. Let's now talk about some of the other scams that we come across. Mm-hmm. So for instance, in Rome... There is a scam to do with the ticketing kiosks with the, and I hate to kind of bring up a certain type of people, but gypsies. They're definitely around a lot of touristic areas for sure. All throughout Europe, actually, not even just Rome. Yes. No, Mm. for sure. Uh, Barcelona, Paris. London now too. Yeah. You see a lot of them. And unfortunately they do kind of work a lot of the travel scams So the one that I'm kind of speaking about in particular is the kiosk scam where usually when you go up to a kiosk, make sure that you've got your luggage in front of you. It is kind of another one of those diversion scams. That's what I'll say. Attention diversion scams. So somebody is trying to help you while you are buying tickets and they'll try to help you. Honestly, the ticket systems are so easy to use. Hit English, the British flag, and go from there. Very, very simple. Or if you're not sure, there's actually a line you can join, a queue, that somebody can actually ticket you tickets. Do that if you're not sure. But somebody will try to approach you and try to help you with tickets. They'll either demand payment for helping you or your luggage will go missing. And sometimes you have to be a bit forceful, unfortunately, because I've heard of occasions um, where, frankly, right as you're about to push the button, like they'll reach in and do it for you as you're kind of completing the transaction, the choice or anything. So at that point, like, oh, you kind of owe me in a way. So, Yes. yeah. Yeah. And also... 
you've got your wallet out, you've got sometimes the bag that you might have passports, things like that. So just make sure that it's you yourself alone um, doing that or you and your friends. I know I've actually assisted people before. I've actually put the, the luggage up against the kiosk and then helped somebody who I was traveling with, uh, somebody in my group, for instance. You know, just make sure that you're not, you do not need assistance from somebody else. And it doesn't happen just in Rome. I had it happen to me in Venice, in Naples, in so many different places. It's something that you will come across. Next one, the ring game. Have you heard of this one? I don't think so. Okay, so the ring game. The ring game. So you will stumble across what looks like a gold ring on the ground. And somebody will then come after you saying, Oh, Miss Miss, you dropped something, you dropped something. We'll try to sell you the gold ring. Oh, weird. Yeah. So there's that as a scam. So hmm. again, it is a scam. Hmm. I mean, I I feel sorry for someone who falls for that type of a scam, mm. to be perfectly honest, because yeah. it's so obvious of a scam. But there is that scam in play. There's also scams of somebody will drop something on you, try to clean it off, and they're actually patting you down and taking your belongings. There's, I've heard of other scams where, and I've seen this one, the roses. So again, some of these, they're not necessarily... They're trying to steal something from you, but they're demanding payment. So I've had it in Vietnam where someone, an older lady, was literally trying to put the basket, the the yoke with the two baskets, right. onto my shoulder and trying to take photos. And I'm like, no, 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 wow. no, I'm good. Again, somebody, this has happened to me in Milan. It's happened in Rome, Paris. Somebody's tried to give me like a bracelet. Oh, I had that in Brazil too. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll demand payment once it's, oh no, it's no charge, no charge. But then they'll demand payment. I've had the roses. Somebody trying to give out roses. And then again, demanding payment. <laughs> Sorry, ladies, you haven't found your European prince charming. They actually want your money. So. Well, it's not only yeah. that. What they'll do is they'll actually target couples. Oh, so, oh, so the guy has to pay. The guy has to pay. Mm -hmm. So pressure of, mm. you know, oh, buy your woman a rose or right. buy them a flower. Yeah. So there's things to kind of look. And then you'll, you'll pay absorbent prices. The other thing is in Rome... I didn't see it this much the last time, which I'm really happy about because, again, I try to travel as sustainably as possible. So in Rome, I think it is kind of getting more well known that the, all the fountains are drinkable. Mm. The scam in Rome is the one euro water bottles that are frozen. Okay. They're sometimes refilled water bottles. Oh, gross. Yeah. People must know when they open the caps, though. I hope at that point before well, they drink the, it. Well, the problem is, is they can kind of glue dot them oh. to a point where you think you're breaking it open. That brings up a lot of problems. It brings up a lot of problems. But wow. I'm just saying, do not buy water off the street. Wow. Like, just don't do it. Not good. In Paris, around the Eiffel Tower, I've had people offer me uh, bottles of wine. Oh, wow. 
again, absorbent prices. Not and, just handy, not unsafe. Unsafe. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just there are a few travel scams to kind of look out for. So really, when it comes to travel scams, what I would suggest is googling travel scams in blank so travel scams in destination that you're going to and you're going to come across all the different types of travel scams that other people have come across i think it's a great thing to do and as we were kind of talking in episode two it's really going to alleviate some of those travel anxieties Mm -hmm. when you go to these destinations because you'll kind of know what to expect but i think really what it comes down to it is when it comes to travel scams petty theft anything like that you are more important than your things so when it really comes down to it if you are traveling with your passport your credit cards your cash whatever i think it's very important to keep in mind that that is replaceable you are not absolutely very well said and (laughs) and just to point out even as part of the whole planning process like we were touching upon before take away just type going through google like a lot of these things you can find on youtube now even as well yes people actually capture these actually happening live more or less so you can even kind of just educate yourself that way. And it's a bit of fun because it's not you. So it <laughs> might be a bit interesting. <laughs> I'm joking. But no, it's definitely another good outlet, though. No, for check. sure. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of different things, like even the Lonely Planet guides, all these different types of guidebooks, podcasts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they all are there to educate you on things that are up to date and things that you know people have experienced or have come across in just conversations so yeah it's all about just maximizing how great the holiday can be really for sure yeah however we also have to be unfortunately in this day and age a bit more realistic with a lot of kind of the political climate um, issues going on around the world and really is a world issue at this moment where a lot of political unrest, civil unrest, terrorism by horrible organizations mm-hmm. around the world that are not only bringing harm to their own citizens, their own people, but obviously tourists that are obviously visiting these places that may have a history of um, issues or may not. And it's something that, unfortunately, it's really inclusive of the planning portion of a holiday And almost the research stage, really, to sort of expect, you know, is frankly this a target? Is that a target? Has something happened? How can I kind of avoid that? What do you think about all of that? I do think that you need to be educated. So as I've kind of mentioned before, I do think that there are certain websites you can look into and have some education before you travel. So for instance, I've mentioned before the Canadian government website, travel.gc.ca. 
it's a great website because you're gonna see what the up-to-date travel warnings are when it comes to visiting a certain destination so you can search any country in the world it'll give you the up-to-the-minute information on travel warnings safety that kind of thing I think that for me is a big thing but I think it's also diving a little bit deeper and knowing okay so I'm visiting England what is the emergency number for that country Mm -hmm. and there's actually I think a website specifically that you can visit there's an app actually as well it's called uh, travel whistle SOS and it essentially has about 70 different countries um, emergency contacts built into it so once you're in a certain destination it's frankly just a swipe of a kind of a country code number and you're connected to the corresponding authorities that you require whether it be fire emergency medical anything and yeah it's absolutely great i think it has 70 countries that are built into it so surely enough touristic countries included that will obviously uh, serve you while you're on holiday so yeah that alone can be quite useful and like you're mentioning on top of just being aware of the actual advisory warnings um, on government websites, but also making a note of where your consulate is. Making a note of them not only be in your phone, but maybe written out, maybe attached to your passport copy that you have printed or something where, again, in need of an emergency, it's not a scramble of information of where do I go, what do I need to do, but maybe have that address easily accessible. So you hop in that taxi, you go for, you know, it's just having that kind of information prepared. And again, every city, uh, especially speaking for Canadians in the larger cities, uh, they'll have an option for Canadians for sure, for assistance. For sure. And I think too, it's also important to note that if you are traveling to certain countries and you're not 100% confident in where you're traveling to, I know recently I've had a lot of clients do this when traveling to China or Iran or Iraq. Pakistan, places like that, where they actually register with the Canadian government to let them know, hey, I am leaving on this date. I am planning to return on this date. This is when my return flight back into Canada is. And if you are not returning within a certain time, it actually gives the Canadian government a red flag. Wow. Which is very interesting and also in a way, it's a safety net. That actually makes me think, when you were in Rome, what was it, a couple of years ago, I think there was um, an attack, was it in Barcelona? Yeah, actually, in, this was a couple of years ago, uh, it was when the Barcelona truck incident occurred on the Las Ramblas, so... Yeah, that was pretty, we actually didn't, we had no idea what was happening because I don't have a data plan when I travel. I only use the Wi-Fi, essentially. I put my phone to airplane mode and that's it. So I actually had no idea what was happening until we got back to the hotel and found out that the Barcelona Las Ramblas incident occurred. Immediately, Rome kind of went into this very weird, how we figured something was up. It just, again, it was the first day 
I had been in Rome, so I thought that maybe this was normal. But then as soon as I saw the flags at the Piazza Venza start to go half-mast, I knew something very, very serious had happened. Essentially, there was so much military presence everywhere. They were actually, they had maneuvered their vehicles to the pedestrianized streets so that nothing could come through the pedestrianized streets. They still do that to this day now, but it's not, it was just a very immediate almost and even around they had closed off streets near the coliseum they had closed off one of the main streets because i was on a hop on hop off they were actually starting to close a lot of main streets and i was like okay this is very strange something's Mm -hmm. definitely happening that evening when i went to my hotel turned on the tv saw what happened in barcelona my heart broke yeah and Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you're like, oh, because at that point, I was in Rome. I was just across, you know, not a large body of water Mm -hmm. to Barcelona. So you're like, oh, this is happening here, essentially, because you're in Europe. So it did kind of make me slightly worried, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. It, I called, I called my grandma, I'm fine, (laughs) (laughs) you know, all those types of things. But it does kind of really make you almost like center yourself immediately being like, okay, so if this happens here tomorrow, this just happened in Barcelona, what happens if something were to happen in Rome? It just makes you realize, okay, so I need... What are my exit strategies? What if something were to happen? Who am I in contact with at home? A lot of things do go through your mind. And the thing is, I mean, it's obviously any of these events that have happened, you know, through Barcelona, through Paris, uh, London, they are happening all over now. And for thankfully not all the time, but enough, these, these things are happening. And it's a beautiful thing that the world mourns and you feel kind of like a community Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of warmth and love for you know the people that have gone through these incidents or support uh, globally but also when you are in a continent for example such as Europe I mean these countries and these cities are not very far away from one another so it is quite a community there uh, between the European countries that you know it is kind of like a hit to all of them and the fact that they've happened in at least the three large cities I've just mentioned I mean it's really palpable I know when I was still living in London the attack in the Paris concert happened the the big Mm. first shooting I think that was the first thing for Paris and again being from London to Paris I mean I remember being on my bus and I was getting Twitter updates as it was happening and just thinking you know how horrifying it is and I mean how you just have to sort of get your mind behind it's not necessarily even about in destination it's just general safety but also knowing how to rely on the people around you, how to rely on the officials uh, when you're away if you need to. And again, just, you know, keeping an eye on your surroundings. And obviously we can't help horrific events that happen, Mm -hmm. but it's really about really 
monitoring your area, looking out for your friend if you're with your friend, keeping clear visuals of your area and being self-aware. We want to have fun on holidays. We want to have the best of memories and the best of experiences, but it is something that frankly is something that we need to consider, especially in this day and age, that horrible things can happen. What can we do to ensure our very best, that we try our most utmost to avoid something that is you know, occurring like that. And yeah, it's just, it's horrible that we have to, and it's horrible that, you know, these things are happening in, frankly, some of the most beautiful cities in the world, or some yeah. of the yeah, totally most, agree. or even some of the most undeveloped in the world that have to deal with things like this. So it's just a tribute of the times in a way, but again, it's coming back to community, coming back to kind of uh, the world, having faith in humanity and all of that. And mm -hmm. yeah, I suppose we just got to look out for each other. For sure. But I also think that this really kind of drills in that you need to also have or even think about an emergency plan. So for instance, a huge travel tip that I know that I can kind of share is I'm used to cruise life. So for instance, you know, we go through muster drill every single cruise. It's a mandatory thing. But they always say, look at the back of your door. So I'm in a habit now because that's what I've always done is on the back of your cruise ship door in your stateroom, there is a map of the different emergency exits. Hotels nowadays have the same type of thing. And I know you used to work in hotels. And I think that knowing even your your closest emergency exit when you're even staying in a hotel is very important because if there is a fire or some kind of emergency when you're at a hotel or even you know worst case scenario cruise ship you know your way out mm -hmm. yep absolutely i mean those things i mean all well all jokes aside they aren't there just as decor those are things <laughs> where taking that 30 seconds out of your day to really kind of look at it. What is my nearest exit? What is maybe my next nearest, nearest exit? And uh, realizing that whether it be on a cruise, whether it be in a hotel, the staff is trained. However, uh, you want to be, frankly, as can we say useful in that moment if needed and yep. really help those that cannot be, that cannot maybe help themselves and be as quick as you can to get out. I mean, these situations are obviously horrible if if they're needed to be kind of acted upon but those things are very helpful and it's always i think perfect uh, that you said said that tip or yeah knowing your nearest exits is massive and even just knowing frankly even the like for if it's a hotel like even knowing your general area you mm -hmm. know where's the nearest pharmacy or where's the nearest hospital maybe even so these kind of things in an event can also be really helpful Yep, and just further to that, that kind of brings us to also natural disasters. So it is unfortunate that these things can happen unexpectedly. <laughs> no one expects, you know, a natural disaster unless you are traveling during hurricane season where those can be somewhat measured, I guess. Measured, yeah. yeah natural disasters that can happen, like look what happened in Thailand with tsunami. I unfortunately did get to see the rebuilding of what happened in Thailand. 
but it was very interesting that, you know, they do have tsunami warnings now and warning systems in place, but they were very, very, very clear that one of the hotels that we were staying at, it was in the tsunami zone. So there was a sign saying, just so you know, you are entering a tsunami zone. What are some things that you think, especially work hotel industry, that people can kind of take into consideration when it comes to natural disasters? Well, honestly, it just comes back to our favorite word, preparedness. And it's (laughs) something that, I mean, obviously no one wants to really feel you have to be prepared for but i think again keeping all of your necessary documents in one place maybe it's the safe maybe it's in your day bag that you maybe keep in the room and just having all of that prepared to go at any cost or kind of at any during any event as well and again realizing that the teams at hotels like on cruise ships or maybe other venues potentially these people are trained in emergency procedures but you do want to th- at the end of the day t- as a guest or of someone you know as a guest on the cruise ship as well kind of worry about yourself your kind of priority in that moment so just ensure that you're finding your your best and clearest way out would because you've already obviously researched and looked at the area you've checked the back of the door so you've done your best to kind of prepare mm-hmm. what you have and then hopefully beyond that everything sort of just takes off yeah for sure and i think too like i myself i've experienced blackouts in places uh... while traveling that kind of thing and it does make you realize Oh, so, you know, I should bring a flashlight next time when I travel instead of relying on my flashlight on my cell phone, which drains the battery really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's true. Like, Mm -hmm. so there is actually, Mm -hmm. I actually do have a small mini flashlight that I travel with now. Yeah, it's not comfortable Mm -hmm. having no way to contact people or experiencing a blackout while traveling. You know, you do want to think of things when you travel because India, Bali, there are certain places where they actually experience rolling blackouts. So it's actually having that knowledge, I think, of where you're traveling as well. And in that same vein, though, like related to these blackouts... I mean, even like power banks nowadays. Mm, very true. So smart and clever to at least, well, frankly, to have at least one good one that is needed in that occasion because we don't realize how dependent we are on our mobile phones nowadays. So uh, if you need to have it on for a period of time during a blackout or during an event like this, you know, what do you do if you can't access a power outlet beyond that? So definitely a good idea to keep that as part of your essentials, maybe. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. Mm. And speaking about essentials, prescription medication, making sure you're actually traveling with that prescription medication in its proper containers. And also researching that your prescription medication are actually legal in the countries that you're traveling to. That's a pickle. (laughs) (laughs) that's a pickle because there are some medications here that you can't travel to in other countries so it's just worth having that research done ahead of time so that you don't show up to the border and then be arrested for something that you didn't even really mean to do (laughs) now this might put you on the spot a bit but if you have like a doctor's note is that Still legal to travel with that, for example, or no? no? Okay. That's why it's always best to really make sure that you 
research to make sure that your prescription medication is legal in certain countries. Because here's the thing, if that prescription is not legal, there are other prescriptions that might be. Okay, so frankly, there could be an alternative your doctor could maybe give you. Exactly. And or it could redirect a holiday. Exactly. Okay. Yep, for sure. Hmm. And I think the last thing that I want to touch on, especially when it comes to any type of conundrum that you come across, whether it be something got stolen, you know, the airline lost your bag, whether anything like that, I think it's extremely important to travel with travel insurance. Because even while you're away, there are a lot of policies out there that will even cover a lost passport, an emergency passport, things like that. So making sure that you have travel insurance, cancellation insurance, because, you know, these types of trips, they're, they're expensive. Travel for a lot of us is a luxury. It is for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And the trip interruption aspect so if anything were to happen while you are away and you need to come home for any reason or if something were to happen on your trip you're covered it's peace of mind and the thing is it doesn't always seem the most easy to understand if you're not really aware of the different maybe levels of insurance or different providers but that's frankly when it's best in my opinion as you would probably echo to go to a travel agent because sure. these people are trained um to kind of know all different assets sorry aspects of maybe different plans providers even or maybe different levels of care or options that are available so definitely for peace of mind and if you want to ensure you're getting frankly what's best for your specific trip definitely uh don't second guess yourself go with someone that has you know a bit more awareness yeah for sure and travel agents we actually do have to be certified to sell travel insurance it's a requirement based on here in canada it's based on provincial law so it is something that a proper travel agent who is certified can speak to you about in regards to your personal needs when it comes to insurance. Oh my gosh, I feel like we've got so many tips and tricks. We could just go on and on and on and on and on. But I hate to break it to you, my friend. What? We actually finished our bottle of wine. Well, just one. True. <laughs> we can get more. <laughs> Because we're in the safety of our home. <laughs> True. We're not driving yeah, anywhere. Exactly. Uh, I feel safer. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. Just yeah. on the whole. It was it was a good chat. I yeah. think we had a good chat. Hopefully you as listeners enjoyed our conversation. And hopefully you couldn't hear my cat playing <laughs> with her dinner in the background. <laughs> but thank you so much again, David. It was wonderful having you here. Thank you. And could you tell our listeners again of your Instagram? Indeed. You can follow my travel Instagram, which is at atroversiamo insieme, which means less travel and cross over together. And I think you'll be featuring me on your story or your blog post very soon. Yes, for Perfect. sure. Awesome. Well, cheers. Cheers to that. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you again next week. I hope you found today's episode on travel tips and tricks helpful and inspiring. I'd like to thank my guest David for joining me today and discussing this topic. 
Be sure to check out the blog post for this episode at wonderlessjourney.ca and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd be so grateful if you could leave me a review and share this podcast with your friends. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if you have any topics in mind you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please email me at podcast at wonderlessjourney.ca or send me a message on Instagram at wonderlessjourney.ca. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.